Recorded live. This is my Bible, and I read it every day. I boldly speak the word. I live the word. It's a part of my daily walk with the Lord. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse number 14. 4 and 14. When you have it, I want you to stand up and speak. Start reading in verse number 13. It reads as follows, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, the perfect man, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse number 14, it says, That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to very fourteen again, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cutting craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to be seen. We're going to talk about put down that remote control. Come on, say it with me. Put down the remote control. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's redeem it. We thank you for this morning's service. We thank you because you're King of kings and you're the Lord of lords. And there's none like you. You're the God of all gods. We praise you for it today. Lord, we thank you that we are gathered today in unison in one accord, that we can break the bread of life together. And Lord, as we feast at your table, as we get the nutrients out of your word, O oh God, that this would sustain us for today and the rest of this week, God. We thank you, God, that we will eat all the vegetables, all the meat, everything that we need in the word today to keep us like growth, healthy in your word. It's like the 
remote control. We hear different things in the Bible, or somebody talks about their Lord and talk about even what went on at church. And sometimes we want to fast forward their conversation to get them from talking about the word to talk about something. And then sometimes when they hear the word of God, they get discouraged. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that at all. They get discouraged on their job. I'm tired of this job because A, B, and C, and I want to go to another job. And some people take that remote control for a job, and they switch from job to job to job, not realizing that it is them that don't want to what submit to whatever the laws or the statutes are for that particular job. They want to fast forward to everything. They don't want to wait. They want to just go and get whatever they need right now. When it talks about to be tossed to and fro, that means you have to be troubled about something. You know, you could be going through situations at home and you have the remote in your hand and you hear something on the TV and it reminds you of a certain situation. You flip that little button and push that button and you're changing it right there. But the Bible says, in Ephesians 14, 414, he said, don't be tossed. Don't be carried about with every wind of doctrine. We hear it. I was speaking to several individuals, and they were telling them about the Lord. And what they, the receiver of hearing that word, began to talk about, it is not necessary to do A, B, and C. And they were saying, well, in the Bible it says this, and they began to explain to them there, and they said, well, that was in the Old Testament. It doesn't mean it for the New Testament. You know, the Old Testament is the foundation. And then the New Testament comes back and talks about what the Old Testament said. The Old Testament said that a Savior is going to be born. In the New Testament, it came about. We want to switch and change because we don't want to hear what they were saying. The individual has spoken about, uh, I don't think it's important to really sing at church. And they were saying, well, you know, the scripture says, you know, sing psalms and spiritual psalms and hymns. And they said, it's not necessary. Just that, just go and just be silent. It don't take all of that. They will come back and say, well, then I've heard this particular group of people say this. You're not supposed to have instruments in their church. So you get carried away with that without researching it, the word of God to say, should I stay on that channel or listen to what the Lord is saying? So we'll look at the challenge being a Bible. Instead of them reading the whole entire chapter to see what they're talking about, they'll just take one thing out of it and get tossed to and fro about it. Some will say, well, the women cannot wear makeup. Oh, they shouldn't look like that. You begin to look at a Jezebel. Jezebel, Jezebel is a domineering spirit. That's what they're talking about. And then they're saying that you can't do this and you can't do that and you, and you just, I don't know what to do. You just, oh, I don't know where to go. Instead, they want to take that and flip the channel. And then they get burned out with different ministries saying to send your tithes and offerings. And they're saying, well, why should I make tithes and offerings? It's only Old Testament law. They'll talk about it in New Testament. And why do I have to do it? So they, they take that and say, I won't do that. Then they sit in there and they flip the channels and talking about the Bible now. And they were saying like this here, the women should not look nice. They say they shouldn't be the adornment of their, but modesty. And they said they cut that out and they say, well, then the women all look like a handy's kid. You know. So they're taking things like that. They're tossed to and fro. And pretty soon they come to a point where they're saying, I don't even want to go to church right now. So they're flipping to something else. They don't even stop by the Christian channel because they are out of sort. By they preach on that too long. I don't like their mannerism. Or they hoop all the time. Or they just teach all the time. There's no excitement in it. There's this. They too radical. They're this. I don't like that. So what they do, they decide to look at other things. 
that is not healthy. And so they go with that. In James chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4, I want you to turn with me to that. I'm going to read some of that for you because I'm trying to say something that put down their control and begin to read, read the Word of God and get inside of it. And don't, don't change the channel right now. But just stay there and just listen to what the Word of God says. In James chapter 1, verses 2, let me read this. It says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith is worth patience. Verse 4 says, But, pay, but let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Verse 5 says, And if you lack wisdom, let a mass of God that giveth to all men liberally, and unbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Verse 6, listen to what it says. But let him ask where? In faith, nothing wavering. So what is wavering? You know, you just go back and forth and back and forth. He says, For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. But let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Look at what verse 8 says. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Is that not flipping the channels using that remote control to fast forward? You're in a situation, and you want to hurry through that situation. You want it to be, Lord, I pray right there. I need to see it right now. And if God is not doing right now, you then push that remote control button and you say, well, I need to go get in this prayer line. You go in that prayer line and then you get prayed for and nothing happens. So you say, well, I'm going to change the channel on this. I'm just going to look at TV, send in an offering to get this healing because they send this. And when you send that money in and you still don't have it, what happens? You flipping the channel on the remote control. So what I was saying is just this. You don't have to go and send your offering to someone on television. God can bless you. I'm not knocking that you can't get a blessing that way. I'm not saying that. But sometimes the individual is so busy flipping the switch that they are not stable in their walk with God. God can bless you and your local church if you be obedient. If you begin to put your trust and your confidence in the Lord. James 1, we talked about it, says, but let him ask where in faith. Nothing wavering. That means that you can't come to a point of saying, Lord, I want you to bless me right now. Today I need this miracle once today. And if God doesn't give it to you today, you've gone to the next thing, self. And you've got yourself into trouble because you did wait on God. James talks about it in verse 4, but let patience have a perfect word that you may be perfect and entire with wanting nothing. So you have to put down that remote. That means put down yourself and get into a mindset of just worshiping God and begin to be faithful and to stay connected to God. The only reason why you keep on switching from one challenge to the other is not because you're not connected to whatever it is on. You're not steadfast and looking at the whole movie. You're not steadfast and wanting and waiting on God to do a work inside of your life. You want to get ahead of God. If God don't bless you today, it's okay. If he don't bless you tomorrow, it's okay. If he didn't answer, it's okay. Job made a statement. He says, I'm going to what? Wait until when? My change comes, which means that he is not going to cast away his confidence. Scripture says, don't cast away your confidence. It has a great reward for you. But sometimes you get weary in your well-doing, and you feel like this is not working. I'm going to change over to this church. I'm going to change over to this event. And you don't give God a chance to do anything in your life. But when we stop playing with God and be serious with God, things will happen. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3, 4, and 5, I want you to look at what it talks about. And I just love the way Paul 
wrote it. He says in verse number 3 in Romans 5, verse number 3, it says, And not only so, but we glory where? In tribulation also. Knowing that tribulation, that's what? It works patience. And then patience comes what? Experience. And experience what? Hope. Verse 5 says, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So what is he saying? When you're going through situations, circumstances, trials, don't lose confidence in it. Those circumstances and trials that we are going through, I don't care if it's from on a scale of 1 to 10, if it's at one is the lowest and ten is the highest. Whatever you're going through in those tribulations, it is there to do what? It brings about patience. Because once you're in that situation, you have to come still in that situation, knowing that God will bless you and bring you through that situation, but patience has to be there. You 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 just can't expect to just get healed just at one day, just with just two seconds of prayer. And you want to run and, and say, well, then the Hebrew boys, they went to the fiery furnace, and, and, and it was just like that. But before the Hebrew boys could ever go through the fiery furnace, or Daniel in the lion's den, or David with the battle of Goliath, before they could have that experience, that victory, it came patience in their life, and it became a commitment, a covenant with a relationship with the Heavenly Father. They had to have an established prayer life long before the trial came. So when the trial came, what happened? They could say, in the tribulation, it worked patience. Because the Hebrew boys, they made a statement. They say, you know, live long, old king. If, if my God don't deliver us. We're still going to what? Serve him. It's a little long. But as far as us, our hope, our confidence, is that Lord said so we have to be in that fire, our patience is there. It's ever with us. But before you can ever go through some trials, and trials are going to come, you have to endure in that. You know what gets you out of that trial faster? It's the mindset that you have while you're in it. If you keep vacillating from one point to the other point, and if you continue to uh, uh, get angry at God, and, and don't say you don't, you, you've never gotten angry with God, and the mere fact that you do get angry is because of the words that are coming out of your mouth. Lord, why did this happen to me? Why did you put this on me? God, are you still there? If you continually to speak negative about your situation, negative is going to come out. You already know the scripture. Oh, in Proverbs, it says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. That's what it says. And if you continue to say negative stuff about that, then you're going to get negative things. But the word of God says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. They that eat it will have their the fruit of, let me read it, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So the fruit of, of life or the fruit of death. So what I'm saying is this, when you go through trials and you go through tribulations, and they're going to come to us, nobody is exempt Christian nor not Christian. All of us are going to go through situations. But when you're in it, as I said before, the longer you go through it, is while you're in it, it depends upon your attitude. Are you always negative and complaining? Slipping that remote control to this and that. I always want to find somebody, you know, to be on that same pity party spirit with you. You're going to be there a little longer. But if you go through it and say, Lord, I thank you because somehow, God, you're getting the glory out of this. Now, Lord, help me 
to keep my mind stayed on you because your word says, you know, you will keep me in peace. As long as my mind is stayed on you, Lord, I know this is not a good thing that I'm going through, God, but, Lord, I'll, my attitude should be that I'm, I'm able to thank you. I'm able to give you praise from it. I, I, I know this is bad, and it don't look good, but my attitude is still the same about you. Job had the same experience with all the things that was going on with the flesh and the dogs licking the sores and all of that. And his wife said, boy, you ought to cut God and die because they're afraid he's going to come back with a foolish people. The thing about it is his attitude in it. And God began to deal with him about it. And, and, and the victory for Job's life came with he recognized that God is God. He recognized that there's no better greater than him. And when he began to bless his enemy, his friends, God says his latter end was greater than the beginning. And in Job in the last chapter, it says that his daughters were the fairer, the fairest of all the land. But it's your attitude in it that would carry you to your next level. And then it says that tribulation brings about patience. And then once you have this patience, guess what? An experience will come. And out of that experience comes hope. Listen to this. Once you go through something, you know what comes about? The experience. Now you have something that you could tell people according to Revelation. They overcame by the word of their testimony. And then now you have experience that you could say, I used to go through this. I've been through that. But I know that I began to... Be happy about it. I, I, I give God the praise for it, and then my victory came. Patience, experience, and experience hope. Hope thinks it's not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. Verse 6 said, well, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So what I'm saying, we're trying to get through it too quickly and learn what you need to learn through every stage of your life. Learn to get the experience and the message that God is saying to you. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 2, it reads as follows, And thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Do you see what it says? What is the next part? To want to honor thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou would keep his commandment or no. So what is he saying? He says he allowed them to go to the wilderness for 40 years. They were mumbling and complaining. You remember the mumbling? You know, where's the beef? They says, where's the meat? They're saying it would have been better if we was in Egypt to eat the leeks and the onions and the garlic. We had it there. They would beat us down like the Egyptian slaves. You know, we were beating us down. We were the slaves. It was better for us. All they did was complain. Moses is up there too long. So we're going to worship something else. Isn't that amazing how they were flipping the channel with the remote control? Our leader is gone. He's been up there for, he's probably died. God probably didn't kill him. Come on, we need to say something brought us out of there. They were the ones that saw God part the red sea. And while God was bringing them across, God was holding the, uh, the enemy, Pharaoh's army, back there so that they could not come between them until everybody was there. How God closed the sea back up and killed the enemy. They were the ones saying, Moses goes to talk with them. So they flipped the remote control. The next channel says, make a God, make a God, make a God. So what do they do? They say, go get Aaron. He ain't up there. He's not there with him. Get him. He knows about that. And Adam, you know, and, and Aaron wants to what? Get, get. The thing about it is, you're not standing for what you're supposed to. You say, well, yeah, okay, i show you. i show you. Because he wants to look good in the people's eyes. They lift the channel. He didn't stand his ground. And then when Moses came, he said, the people made me do it. They were flipping the challenge to the next one. That is accusation, accuse somebody else, and then say, yeah, I did it, you know, yeah, I swapped me. But they were flipping. 
he's not there. Don't pray. But God always have a ram in the bush. He does. Who was there waiting by the side for Joshua? They switched the remote control. We're going to do a dance and we're going to make Mary doing everything evil, wrong, and bad. And then Moses come down, throws down the commandments. And then they had to go to flip the channel again. They were now on punishment. They had flipped it from the man of God to themselves. Now the result is the punishment. Isn't that amazing? All they had to do was become patient in those tribulations. I'm going to pray for my leaders. They're seeking the Lord. They're fasting 40 days for my welfare. The least I can do is stand on the word that was given to me. Then still be whole and see the wonders of the Lord. Where was the confidence and the steadfastness of just being there and reading the word of God? But no, they're like us. They're like us. They slipped every remote control. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. I want to read verses 6 and 7 and listen to this. Look at what Paul just said. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel. He says, I marvel. I'm just looking at this, and I can't believe that you are so removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, now into another gospel, which is not another, but there will be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. He says, I'm marveling at you. You know the truth. And now look at you. You're so removed into another doctrine or belief. How could that be? So what is he talking about? He says, you know what the word of God says. You know what it says. And then somebody comes and tells you that you don't have to go to church on Sunday. You know, you can just look at TV. You can look, they have Christian channels 24-7, all cable, non-cable, that you can look at Christian TV. Why go to church? Just stay home and do it. So you said, okay, sounds good to me. And you begin to stay home. The first time you do, you look at the church service. But you you up and about getting you something to eat. You're eating your breakfast. You're drinking your coffee. You're doing everything else in your phone. You're texting. You're answering your calls. And, then, and, and you didn't even hear what the message was. Or maybe you didn't find a minister or, uh, that you liked. And maybe it was this minister and you didn't like the choir or the praise team that they had. They wouldn't sing the hip-hop songs that you like. Or maybe they were singing the hip-hop songs that you don't like. And you find yourself pretty soon staying at home watching the TV, but you find that you're not watching Christian TV. And there's a doctor and somebody's coming over, hey, let's go eat breakfast at their favorite breakfast place. And you find you there and chitter-chat, chat, chitter-chitter, chitter-chat, and you're not talking about the Lord. He says, I marvel that you are so, so remote. Just so, so removed from them that called you into the grace of Christ, but they're not the gospel. The gospel of staying home looking at TV. It's okay if you were bedridden. It's okay if you couldn't move. It's okay if you're the hospital and you're looking at it on TV or live streaming or the internet. It's okay. But it comes a point when you need to get up and get up with your church. Fellowship with them. Even Hebrews said, don't take the assembling of yourselves together. Nothing wrong with it. And you, you know what? And, and, and a lot of times you get there and the person told you to look at TV and they're, they're, not, they're not even there with you. And then they're, and now they're saying, you can just send your money into the TV. Then you say, well, okay, that sounds good, but your computer is brown and you can't go on that PayPal site and do it. And then your phone is somehow you didn't pay the bill, so that ain't happening, so you didn't pay your time and offering. So pretty soon you're back in that same old rut again, and you have lessened yourself from your church and from your walk with God. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 and 4, turn over there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm looking at verses 3 and 4, and this is what it says, but I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. But he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached. Or if you receive another spirit, which we which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, you might well bear with him. So what is he saying? And just like the serpent beguiled Eve. Don't accept another God. Only Jesus Christ is what he's saying. The enemy, it doesn't, he doesn't care how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter about, you know, anything about you. Only thing he wants to do is to take your mind off of God, take your eyes off of the Lord, and get you to flip the remote and do contrary than what the Word of God says. Paul talks about it. He said, we didn't bring this gospel to you. It wasn't about us. And don't let somebody bring something to you that does not relate to what's in the Bible. And they bring something that you were taught that is contrary. You know, for an example, a lot of people would say, it's not like the tithe. And you have already read in Malachi 3 where it says to bring the tithes into the storehouse and you put yourself under a curse, and you believe that, and that, and all of a sudden, they say, no, that ain't happening. All of a sudden, you realize that you don't have the favor that you used to have. And it seems like your money is running through your hands where it used to be, where you were getting blessed and things like that. And you believe it, and you want to know why you're stuck in a rut like Chuck. And then you used to have the blessings of God, but you began to believe another doctrine. Even Jesus talked about the, the widow's might. In this walk of salvation, there will always be trials and challenges that will try to what? Discourage you. But what do you do? Stay connected to the Lord. His word is true. Connect with other saints that are rooted in God. So, Instead of just flipping all the time about should I do this and that, stay in the word and connect with a brother or sister in the church that's faithful, that is not messy, not full of gossip. I don't care if you've been friends with them since I was a pup for 38 years. If they are always gossiping and always negative, hey, it's time to make a change. Hook up with the Word of God and stay in the Word of God. Colossians 2 and 7, it talks about being rooted and built up. Colossians 2 and 7, I like for us to read it. I see that you got on your tennis shoes. That's good. We're going to go through this Bible. And uh, I want you to look at this. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse number 7. And what does it say? Almost about to read that. What does it say? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so what he's saying is that you've been rooted and built up in him and established in what? The faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with what? Thanksgiving. So what he says, you've been rooted and built up. So what are we talking about? rooted and built up. That means you've been coming to church. You're planted in the church. You know why you get planted in a church? So that roots can your roots of salvation and growth can be planted in that soil. And then that way you'll be able to grow up your understanding about the scriptures are becoming enlightened. Your mind is enlightened the eyes of your understanding. They are now enlightened and open up and you're growing into the truth of God. So you have to be rooted first. You have to be planted there in order for your roots to grow. And then it says rooted and built up. Now that means you you got a foundation. foundation. And then the next thing of it is it says that 
you are built up. You know, as you're growing up and plants up, they're growing up and you see a lot of times what they do, they get a pole or stick and kind of tie you close to that so that you won't lean over and fall and wither away and things like that. So it says that you are rooted. That means you're connected to a local assembly church. And then you built up, and it says, in him, and established in the faith. So how is your faith going to grow? Faith come by what? Hearing. So how are you going to hear without a preacher? So you have to be rooted at a place. Then they have to build you up in the word where your faith will grow. Always abounding. That means always producing. And then you're producing with a spirit of thanksgiving. The scriptures say enter into his what? With thanksgiving. Into his what? With praise. So the thing about it is like this. You've got to be rooted and built up, planted in him in the faith that your faith can grow. So instead of you taking that remote control and going, boom, 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 I'm going to visit Church A today. Next Sunday, I'm going to visit Church B over there. I'm going to visit Church C over there the next week. And with the whole month, I will have covered four churches. They're not talking about church hopping. That's slipping the channel of the remote control. If you ask the Lord in faith, Lord, would you lead and direct me to church where I can grow. And if you need it in your heart, guess what? God hears you. He loves you. He will definitely answer you. You might have a, an individual say, I want you to come and visit me with church. You may have just prayed that prayer. And they said, and you go there and you get there and you say, wow, I feel full. I don't know about you, but I do recall when, at a time when I was looking for a particular church and I went there, and when I left, I felt full. My soul was dead, and I couldn't wait to get to the next service. And, you know, and there were some places I went, and and uh, uh, some of the experience was very hilarious, but I know one in particular I went, and I knew that was not the place for me. And me and my family immediately left out, and, and we knew that was not the place. You know, we were made a spectacle when we got off our knees praying. They said, hey, do you love everybody? They said, yeah, but turn around and tell them people that you love them. And uh, it was hilarious, and we wasn't there anymore. But the church that we did go to, when we left, I felt fed. And every week I went, whether or not it was for prayer or whether or not it was Bible stuff, I felt fed. So guess where? That's where I was planted. And while I was planted there, guess what? I began to blossom. I began to grow, and my faith began to increase. Then while I was there, instead of trying to figure out where and what to do, and I just kept that channel on one thing, God allowed me to use the gifts and callings that I had there while being rooted and planted there. And I was able to be fully satisfied, not only with hearing the word, but also giving up my gifts and talents there. Uh, whether it was for singing or playing an instrument or teaching classes or ministering a word there, I was planted there, rooted and built up. This is what he's talking about. It is so necessary that we stay rooted and built up in order for us to do what God has called us to do. Go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 17. Verse 17. You got it? Amen, amen, amen. Listen to this. That Christ may dwell in where? Where is he going to dwell? In your heart, where? How? By what? By faith. That ye being what? Rooted and what else? Grounded. Where? In love. Paul says that Christ may dwell in us, in our hearts, by this faith. We receive salvation by faith, that we may be what being rooted and grounded in love. So look at what we're saying right now. Okay, you got the remote control down, put it down there on the armchair. Come on, lay it down now. The thing about it is 
Now he's saying what we needed to be rooted and built up. Now he's saying that we are rooted and grounded in love. So the thing about it is, it's not that we got our firmly planted. We were there and we're grounded. But we're laying everything beside and we're connected. We're connected in love. So we built up and we're connected in love. Amen? So, in the sin in this walk of salvation, challenges, trials are going to come. But you must stay connected. And staying connected, you have to be rooted and built up. And then you have to be rooted and grounded in love. And Second Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 2, 3, and 4. I want you to look at this for just a moment. Look at what it says. That ye be not soon shaken where? In mind. So what? Okay, shaken in mind. What have we been talking about? Being tossed to and fro. Did we originally read over James talking about a double-minded person is what tossed to and fro. Look at look at what he said. Uh, Paul is saying that ye be not so shaken where in mind or be what troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by fear as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. And look at verse number three says, Let no man deceive you by any means. But that day shall not come except there comes a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. So what Paul's saying now, we root it, we ground it, we built up. Then he comes back and says this. The deceiver is going to try and come. Because you're connected and the enemy don't want you to stay in church. He wants you to be fixed on every side. But Paul tells you this. He said, don't be so shaken. Let no man deceive you. And then a man appears to be God. Talking about Antichrist. Antichrist is anybody that does not agree with what God is. Amen? There are many Antichrists, as the scripture says, that are out there. But we're not talking about the main one that's going to come. But there are anybody that opposes the word of God is the Antichrist because you're coming against the knowledge of God. So he's saying you're rooted, you're grounded, you put every remote control down, and you're connected. Don't be deceived because someone said, well, you know, Jesus is going to come back. Look, you'll see the image of Mother Mary bleeding. You'll see this and that. Let me tell you something. Signs have to come. But the end is not near. There'll be what? Earthquakes. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. And all of that is going to come. So don't be shaken about it. Well, is it here tomorrow? Is the Antichrist in the room? Uh-uh, don't you worry about it. You'll be able to preach the word of God in season and out of season. You begin to preach the word of God that Jesus lives. And I'm going to live for God. To be absent from the body is to be present with God. So whatever he comes. I'm going to be found what? Doing what the Word of God said. Don't be deceived and run off with a group of believers that say, uh, uh, this year, 2015, back in September, Jesus is going to come back. Don't believe that. Don't take your eyes off the Word of God. Study. Show yourself. Approved. Jesus made the statement. He said, I don't even know when the time is going to come. He's the only person that knows that. It's the Father. In heaven. So if Jesus, the third person of the Trinity, if he didn't know what made them to give man that idea so they're superhuman, they're over Jesus? No, 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 it's not so. So Paul is saying you're ready, you're connected, don't be deceived. Many people are going to come and say this is the way. If it's contrary to what we have in the Bible, that's not the way. You know the truth. Paul says, I marvel that you're so shaken. Don't be tossed. We've been talking about tossing to and fro. That's what we're talking about, the remote. Don't be switching the channels of your life, trying to find out something that's better. If there's a hunger inside of you for something that you're not quite sure what it is, and you're hungry and you don't know what it is, have you ever been like this? I'm hungry for something, but I know what I don't want. But I don't quite know what I want. I don't want a hamburger. I don't want French fries. 
potatoes, a little okra, a little mustard grain, collard greens. You know, and you begin to say, that's what I want, nourishment. So what happens in the spirit grammars like this? I don't want to go party. I don't want to go clubbing. I don't want the false shoot up. I don't want sex. I want something more. I want more. That is not satisfying. I don't want just a big house. I just don't want the toys. The combat is not doing it for me. The pens is not doing it for me. My 3,500 square feet house ain't doing it for me. Making 150 a year is is a thousand a year. It, it's not satisfying. I, I got the Gucci. I got the uh, all of those bags, and I got the shoes. But I got the clothes, and got the right man on my side, or I got the right woman on my side. But I'm not happy. Something is missing. What you're missing is Jesus. You're missing that that God has for you. And no matter how you fast forward with the remote, you haven't found Jesus. If you get inside of his word, that's what will happen. You'll find him. You will be found of him. He'll let you find him. He's not lost. But Jeremiah says he will let you be found of him. And I just love the way God says that in Jeremiah. He says, then I will let you be found. I, I want to read that to you. Because God is not lost at all. But listen to this. Over Jeremiah 29. And, and, and I start with um, verse number 13. It says, And he shall seek me and what? find me. But listen to this. When you shall search for me, that's your clue right here, with all your heart. The song says, Lord, I hunger for righteousness. He says, in verse 14, he says, and I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from every nation, from all the enemies. So when he's talking about nations, he's talking about the enemies that have you gone with an ass more than one, those that have you enslaved, and from where the places where I've driven I will bring you again unto the place which I told you to tear away because of your desire. You didn't want me there. But I was always there because I never leave you nor forsake. He said, But when you have searched me with all your heart, I will be found. I'll let you find me. So what I'm saying is this. Hebrews 13 and 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things that you have. But he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In First Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 24, I want you to rejoice and pray. Second Timothy 2 and 16, I want you to study. Psalm 55 and 17, always pray. Matthew 26 and 41, watch and pray. And in closing, put down the remote control. Let us stay connected to the church, the Lord, your family. And in Colossians chapter 3, closing with this scripture, Colossians 3 and 16, accept that. That the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. Listen to this. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Oh, Sing me with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You have to put down the remote control and quit trying to go from this stage to that stage, trying to go from church hopping, from church hopping, to be rooted and grounded, built up in the Lord, rooted and grounded in love, to staying connected, and let your conversations be right, knowing that you will never leave you nor forsake it. Being with grace 
in your hearts to the Lord. So how can I sing? Even though the trials and things that come through it, you begin to draw attitude instead of mumbling and complaining. And to go around John Mulberry Bush over and around the mountains, over and over, changing. And to know, Lord, you know my beginning from the end. You know everything about me. I began to sing a song of worship to the Lord. And you may not have a hymnal. You may not have CDs. You may not have tapes. You may not have a radio or a television. You can always bring that song in the heart. You can do as the scripture say, sing a new song unto the Lord. And if you began to sing a new song to the Lord, in a song that is coming from inside of you. That's what it talks about in your heart. And you begin to say, Lord, I love you. I give you thanks for the day. You're so excellent in all your ways. You can be faithful stand on your feet. I want you to say today, I'm putting down the remote control. I'm being connected to the Lord. And it was all heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I just give you thanks and I give you praise for the message that we've heard today. And we've committed to putting down the remote control and trying to fast forward to make the audience And we're just going to trust in you. And we're going to trust you until our change comes. And while we're waiting for that change to come, we're going to sing a song in our hearts, a song of joy, a song of peace, and a song of love. Thank you. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, and if there's anyone here today that has not given their hearts to the Lord Jesus, today is a good day to do so. I want you to just lift your hands in the air. We're going to pray with you. Give your heart to the Lord. Your hand. Your hand. I see your hand up there in the corner up there in the back. I see your hand. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart. Rule on the throne of my heart. I want you as my personal Savior. I thank you for your blood that covers me. Today I accept you as my Lord. I freely choose you. Now, if you said that prayer, I want you to know that your name has been written in the book of life. And today, you are a Christian. Praise Jesus. You've been changed in your life. You're today. And if there's anyone here that needs prayer in the body, um, your hand. 